Hello friends, this is not a typical Idolcast episode, it is a K-popalypse episode. Um, he was kind enough to ask me to chat, so um, I did just that, and here is the result, so hit it! Hello! Hello, hey. Um, yeah, sorry to wake you up. No, no, it's fine. It's um, it's this is just an odd time of year. We have this horrific institution in America called Daylight Savings Time. Uh, oh, we serves, have that here. Oh, do you really? Yes. Yeah, it serves absolutely no purpose, but they keep doing it. And um, there are studies that show that like um, car accidents and all sorts of things happen in like the first two weeks after. Um, daylight savings time because essentially everyone is just jet lagged, you know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and combine that to the start of the, uh, I guess you would, do you guys call it footy football? We call it soccer here. Um, yeah. 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 Football. But yeah. I don't really follow it. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the football religion, but <laughs> um, yeah. Sports stuff. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, ironic i guess because you know um a lot of the the same kind of odd fan culture things happen in sports fandom as it does in k-pop fandom so it's well, this, nice yeah. to be able to draw some parallels you know because uh i've seen i've seen you know uh some pretty interesting things over the years i'll just say that yes yes um i remember actually um uh, Reddit K-pop thread about a couple of weeks ago or something, where someone was talking about um, music being a competition and it being like sport, and how a lot of the K-pop idol shows are like sporting shows. And I put something in there basically saying that that was actually the whole problem with with those things. It's, but, I mean, it's really true, you know where you get um, these companies that kind of have figured out that um, you can divide fans into like competing teams essentially and mm. play them off each other and um, to see like who can spend the most money to earn, you know, Opa's love. And yes. it's, it's pretty pathetic <laughs> to be honest <laughs> because it's not like, you know, at least with um, sports and whatever, you know, you get to go to see the, like you're watching people compete in like feats of athletic um ability and um you get to be there live and like uh yeah i mean if you're a fan in you know adelaide or iowa what exactly are you getting out of it spending two hundred dollars on one song i don't know <laughs> the problem with applying sports standards to music is that sport is has can be objectively measured you know you can mm. run at a certain speed or you can you, know, you can kick a goal or not kick a goal or whatever, but music is very much, um, you know, you can you can either like something or not, and that can be very, um, that's very personal mm. because everyone's brains is wired up differently. I mean, music has competitive elements, but it's fundamentally about cooperation because if you don't cooperate, you can't get any music done. Um, whereas sport has cooperative elements, but it's fundamentally about competition. So they're very opposites, I think. And I don't really think the, the, the more music gets like sport, the less it becomes like music, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I agree. And and the thing with sport too, and I and I've seen this play out the last couple of weeks, um, just sort of on my Twitter timeline, is that sports have rules that everyone agrees on beforehand. They may not be fair, you may not like them, but everyone agrees that the rules are the rules and you know there are always players that try to skirt the edges and you know you'll have a certain part of fandom devoted to calling out this player or that player for you know always flopping or um getting away with um you know there's always the um the big players that can get away with more things than the small players and um yeah but I've seen that play out with this chart battle I don't know if you've been following the BTS saga um with Billboard and um I've just been seeing armies all up and down my timeline complaining about this isn't fair, that's not fair, you can't sell bundles, that's not fair. But I mean, it's the it's just there's no fair or unfair. It's just the rules of the chart. Like it's not an objective measure of anything. It's just a chart. Oh, just um, remind me about the bundle situation. Was that because Super M were selling oh God, bundles? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and but it's like that's the rules. Like this is where coming from sports, it really just um, it baffles me to see these K-pop fans taking all this stuff so seriously. I mean, it's mm. like the you know there are rules like the offsides rule that are hard and fast, but then you know other rules like it's 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 not about fairness. It's just about playing the game. It is, and the thing about bundles as well is that um, if if, if armies actually knew what bundles constituted for the artist, okay. they'd probably be rubbing their hands together because bundles are really the artist generally gets scammed yeah. out of, um, uh, you know, where I know that I don't know what Supreme situation is specifically, of course, but I know that when Western artists do bundles, basically what it essentially amounts for is that those artists are actually paying for the ticket sale out of their own album sale so they're making money on the album but then it's going towards the ticket so you're actually adding they're actually adding onto their debt yeah. <laughs> with the bundle so it's not like they're selling well, it's basically like they're buying their own tickets yeah, um but that's like i mean i don't know where we want to even get started with um mm. getting into like every kind of topic but um, yep. One of the things that I've really noticed about armies, especially, is that they're completely illiterate on how the music industry works and seemingly have no interest in finding out. They've created this whole little kind of um, Potemkin, is it Potemkin Village? The, um, I don't know. I'm not familiar with the term, although I know. You know what I'm talking what you... about? Like the Marie Antoine, or was it Catherine the Great who set up this, like, they set up a little village for her to sort of walk through and, um, oh, see, look, everything's going fine. Here's this little village you can, like, play with. Mm -hmm. And that's how armies are because they don't understand, like, and every time I've tried to explain that things like, you know, oh, you know, reality TV is scripted or, um, you know, uh, like Bang came from JYP, like Big Hit wasn't born in a garage. Like I just get um, ratioed and uh, put on block lists. It's it's like <laughs> it's absolutely insane. But um, you know the Black Keys, the American band, mm. they were on um, Joe Rogan's podcast like last year, last year October maybe, 
and he went off on this whole thing about bundles and streaming and giving like the artist's mm. point of view. And um, I tried like, you know, posting. Yeah, he quotes. explains mm-hmm. what bundles are bad really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and same mm. with streaming too, how it's not like, it doesn't measure really anything except that 12 year old kid listening to um, Ice Ice Baby 200 times in a row. Um, mm. But yeah, it's just like armies are stuck in this kind of fantasy land. Yeah, um, I don't think we're even really all that interested in how things work. They're just interested in their them being on the winning side. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, and I mean, if if industry knowledge is able to um, is sort of favouring them and their and their um, their team, then that's fine. But they'd rather not know a lot of things. I think there's a lot of willful ignorance involved yeah. um, because they're probably a bit worried that. Um, deep down, they they might be a bit concerned that Big Hit is actually just like any other company in a lot of ways, which they certainly are. So and worse, and many others. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> there are. Yeah. There's there's a lot there, but you know they don't really care. Yeah. No, they don't. Yeah. But um. Yeah. I don't. I mean. I guess maybe I should uh introduce myself a little bit. Um. Because I don't know, I, yeah, I guess, I don't know how much you know about me. Um, oh, very little. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well. I, 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 I know that you get dogpiled on I Twitter dog a lot. So all the time, that, yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, well, you'd be a good person to chat to. Um, <laughs> I thought um, part of the reason why I made a bit of a connection with you is because um, I was watching, uh, what was it, the latest ContraPoints, I think, about cancel culture. And she was talking a bit about, you know, what are the things you can do um, to sort of negate cancel culture and stop people from, you know, behaving in these very strange ways online. Um, and one of the things that the conclusions that she had was that it was a thing of value to sort of connect to other people who are experiencing the same thing. So I thought, well, I mean, I had a quick look at some of your content and I thought, well, there's nothing really wrong with this content, but, um, you know, you, you, you're just copying a lot because the people who you're dealing with don't want to hear reasonable opinions. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, no, I thought, I, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, ContraPoints has certainly um, experienced her share of uh, cancel culture as well, I think. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so I'm, I've been around you know, different fandoms for, excuse me, um, probably about, I mean, I've been involved in fandoms since I was probably 15, 14, 15, I got into Star Trek. Um, (laughs) but I picked up with, um, sort of Asian fandoms when I was in my early twenties. Um, I had gone to school for university for, um, audio engineering and production, and um, sort of came out, well, I, I had to face some very hard truths about um, the recording industry and the American music industry. Um, number one was that, I mean, this was back in the early 2000s because I'm old. And um, I mean, already at that point, you know, there was, it was really, really difficult to get your foot in the door if you didn't have an independent source of funding. So basically... Mm. 
the people from my course who are now still working in the music business all came from wealthy families. Those of us who sort of paid our own way through school, um, most of us are now working in other jobs. Um, so that was one thing. If you can't afford an unpaid internship, you know, you can't, you cannot afford to go into the music industry. And it's just gotten worse since then. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I still like, I'll read Billboard or look at these sort of new artists coming up and it's people like, well, like Lauv, um, who came from, you know, made connections at um, wherever he went, Columbia, and had his parents paying for his, um, uh, like, unpaid internships and all of this stuff. So it's kind of like, there's that element to it. Um, and there's also just like this horrific sexism and misogyny and just judging from sort of recent news I don't think it's gotten better in the 15 years since since I gave up on um, being in the music industry mm. so um, you know I certainly have my share of horror stories that I won't <laughs> necessarily go into here but sure. um, yeah yeah so then I just got completely disillusioned with American music and um, American um, just sort of entertainment and everything and I had a friend well, I was working at a library and I lived in a neighborhood that had a lot of like Indian um, people, like Indian diaspora. Um, and so I started watching just like Bollywood movies and got sucked into that whole world. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a pretty, pretty successful blog, actually. Um, you know, I went to movie premieres. I was on the BBC Asian Network. <laughs> and like, mm -hmm. um, but you know, it was funny. I saw, I saw what happened when all this American money started drifting into um, Bollywood, because before they there, there really wasn't. I mean, it was a pretty separate um, industry. And I saw what happened when American capital kind of drifted in, um, starting. I want to say probably about. 2008 2009 and it just got worse and worse and worse um and yeah i just i had to to get out eventually um and then i ended up i ended up sort of becoming interested in um idol culture and well especially i, I kind of drifted into japanese music um, and I'd been happily kind of just ensconced in um, Japanese fandoms with very little interaction with Western stands at all um, until a couple years ago. It was right after it was right after Junghyun passed, and um, I kind of started looking into what actually was happening in K-pop and on the K-pop like the. Um, sort of American side of K-pop fandom versus just, you know, the Japanese side of, of fandoms and was just horrified, <laughs> like absolutely <laughs> horrified with what I saw. And um, it's just gotten worse in the two years since I kind of returned to uh, American fandoms. Hmm. Yeah. So that's that's my little story. <laughs> so what, what are the main differences that you notice between... Um... I don't know, like BTS fans and the other fandoms that you've been involved with in the past? I mean, I think one of the biggest things is that um, BTS, 
it's funny BTS fans remind me a lot of um, Shah Rukh Khan fans um, out of Bollywood like back in my my glory days um, it's just this attitude of the underdog who's now on top but the fans can't let go of the idea that they have to prove everything and um, <laughs> fight everybody else like they can't accept it's just this fandom that cannot accept success for whatever mm -hmm. reason they cannot accept and be happy with success if it's not breaking box office numbers or um, you know breaking sales like it's just this obsession with industry numbers that that are you know essentially meaningless to hmm. your average fan. I mean it, you're not the one making the money um, yeah yeah it's very bizarre um, and there's also <laughs> and this is where this is where I always get myself in trouble um, but it there's also this I, I know a lot of white um, Bollywood fans who are just they're they're un unable to sort of detach themselves from like a Western point of view and Western concerns and sort of a Western way of looking at things mm. and accept that that the Asian outlook is different the Korean outlook is different and 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 it's I see it from armies especially white armies um, I mean black armies too um, you know diaspora armies as well but it's just this idea that that the West is the center of everything it's the marker of success um, that everyone outside of the US is or the West is just like desperate to get in and prove themselves in Hollywood which is the real industry um, <laughs> and, and yeah I think it's more of an, uh, an Amero-centric thing rather than a than anything else yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah but I see it from armies and I mean I don't see it as much in in other fandoms but I, I wonder if that's just because that's who's sort of taken over the army fandom is just this group of people that that have adopted a, a foreign act and have now sort of used the transitive properties of, of wokeness to to say that well I like a k-pop group that means I'm now oppressed even though I'm white and you know have a job and I'm living in you know the United States <laughs> um, well in terms of music industry anyone living in the United States is pretty much at the top of the tree um, in terms of being somewhere where you know things can potentially happen for you i always get amazed at people who are in the u.s who want to um go to korea and be a <laughs> be a k-pop it's like you know you're or, you're already sitting in the best country in the world you can possibly be in if you want to be in the music industry generally speaking um it's only worse than any, everywhere else <laughs> um in terms of you know how likely you are to actually make a sustainable living I, see, I just this is where I disagree. Like, I think, I mean, I think Japan is the best place. I mean, you have to speak Japanese, but um, because you can't you can't be in an independent band in the United States and make a living. Like, you can't. Um, but you can be you can be a professional bass player in Japan, and you know have an apartment and 
pay your rent and tour and have, you know, have a pretty good life. And you can't do that here anymore. The American music industry has just been gutted from the inside. Mm. I mean, and this is where I, I saw the sort of start of this, um, you know, 15 years ago. And, and I've seen it happen where the just sort of that mid-tier market is just gone. You're either um, Billie Eilish or you're living in a basement. There's nothing <laughs> in between. Yeah. I mean, not that Korea yeah. is any better, but I think a place like Japan, um, Germany probably, um, places where, where you know, I think the, the, the market isn't quite so um, consolidated and monopolized to the point where if you're not on the the one playlist, you're just not mm. getting on the radio. Things might have changed a bit, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an interesting point. Now, um, you um, probably had a few things you wanted to discuss outside of this. Um, you mentioned you had a few things on your oh, mind. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well. Yeah, I have, um, I have, you know, so many soapboxes, which is probably why I keep getting canceled. But yeah. Um, yeah, well, this is, I mean, I think this is my big, um, my big, uh, well, conflict that I keep getting into with armies, especially, is that, um, you know, I, I, I don't see a whole lot of value in. Um, the American entertainment industry and you know you can call me bitter or um, <laughs> whatever I mean and you know that's a fair it's a, a fair thing to say um, but I, I do also think that I'm right uh, and um, so so one of the things that yeah like so the fact that the American music industry has been monopolized and consolidated to hell you know, we've got Ticketmaster, we've got um, iHeartRadio, we've got, which iHeartRadio just laid off, um, you know, over a thousand people. There's no mm -hmm. one in a lot of radio stations. There's nobody working in a lot of radio stations in sort of mid and um, low level markets. There's just, it's like a ghost station. There's just like one engineer there sort of pushing buttons and that's it. Playlists come from New York and LA. So there's no chance for a local hit anymore. Yep. Um, and then Ticketmaster, of course, has a you know monopoly on um, tickets for concerts, and they can charge whatever they want. They can add mm -hmm. so many fees, um, you know. Which, if you have money, it doesn't matter. But if you're, you know, just kind of getting by, it's not great. And yeah. how much of that goes to the artist too, you know? Um, and then, you know, there's the streaming issue as well with people not buying music, which, you know, fair enough, the industry kind of did that to themselves. But the people making money from streaming, you know, the industry trades like to say that, oh, the American music industry is growing. There was this much money made last year, but the people making it are in Silicon Valley. You know, they're not the ones um, making the music. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, I, I I say things like this, and then people get mad at me. <laughs> and, but the, well, other, yeah. the other issue is um, uh, the media itself, like K-pop journalists especially. I think I I find them 
you know, with, with a few exceptions, of course, but, um, overall, I just find them extremely, uh, I don't know if gullible is the right word, but just incurious, maybe. Yep. I, I don't know. There's just seems this complete lack of interest in actually kind of looking into things at all or, hmm. or looking at history or, um, what came before or, or anything. It's just like this black hole of, of nothingness sort of filled like a pasted in press release. And, you know, you have <laughs> stands happily RTing it. And it's just so much ignorance just gets spread around and then it becomes kind of conventional wisdom. And same with the, um, the critics, too. I feel like there'll be like one take that kind of gets copy pasted around and everyone's like, oh, look, this album was really like well reviewed. And I'm like, did you listen to it? <laughs> it sounded like yeah. garbage. Like what is going on? <laughs> yes. Well, um, oh, by the way, if you're hearing a few strange noises, that's um, my cat. Um, she, because I do live streams every week and I feed my cat on my live streams, my cat sort of figured out oh, that no. whenever I'm, that whenever I'm talking to my computer, yeah. there's a reasonable chance she might get food. Oh, so she'll. Yeah. I had. Well, so as I was ranting, I had my cat climb into my lap, and I'm, she's now purring happily. So. All right. Cool. You might get stereo purring <laughs> on both sides. Cats, then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, well, the whole thing about the K-pop media is that um, the the big companies will actually deny them access if they don't. Um, you know write what they want like if you try and interview um a k-pop group they'll vet the questions beforehand and only the only the what's your favorite color stuff gets through any sort of real question gets turfed out um they don't really want people doing proper reviews or writing proper articles they they really just want the k-pop journalists to regurgitate the the press releases and and just play nice and Everything, everything's lovely. Everything's fine. Yeah. It's it's not like Western music writing where you're allowed to be a bit critical and stuff like that. Yeah, that and, and that, just that also reminds me of um, my time in Bollywood um, fandom as well. Um, yeah, and that was one of the things. I mean, not to to brag, um, but like when I was writing reviews like pretty actively um, one of the things people told me that they they liked about reading my stuff was that I was just honest if I liked something I would say it if I didn't like it I said it was bad I would say that mm. so people knew you know they knew my tastes um, if I said something was bad and um, you know I, I meant it and it wasn't just being yeah. paid um, <laughs> and uh, yeah it, but it there's yeah it's like the whole thing on access i mean i guess it depends on what's the like what is your goal is your goal to like if your goal is to post videos of of bands playing with cute puppies like that's that's fine like there's nothing wrong with that but then you can't then pretend it's also journalism it's it's publicity it's not journalism hmm. you know yeah that's it and that's that's exactly what they want it to be yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i guess the the problem is is like if you understand that like we do that's it's fine like you know what you're reading but mm. i think there's there's a lot of media illiteracy in k-pop fans and it's yeah um, they don't really yeah. understand that a lot of the time 
Yeah. Mm. But yeah, that's. I think it's one more roundups are popular because I mean I put like ten seconds of thought into each thing I write in my roundups about a particular song, and at first I was like, well, and and when I post these roundups each week, they're like the most popular posts that I do. There's always a big spike in my web traffic whenever I post a roundup, and the reviews are just completely thoughtless. It's just like literally the first things that comes into my head you know after a few seconds of hearing the song usually and um but it's and it's become really really popular and at first i was like well why i'm putting so little effort in but then after a while i was like well okay everything else in k-pop media is just so dishonest and so fluffy la la land that hearing reading someone who thinks 90 percent of everything sucks is probably a bit refreshing <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, so you get it, right? It's like, um, yeah. yeah, so there is there is a lot of value in just being honest because, you know, you don't, if you don't care about access, then you're free. You're free mm. to just do what you want. And for me anyway, like, this is just a hobby. Like, it really is just mm. a hobby. And I get accused, or I used to get accused of um, being paid off by, like, you know, stands if they, they didn't like the star of the movie that I, I gave a glowing review to, they'd be like, oh, you're just getting mm. paid. I have not made one cent um, from anything. Like, it's, mm. um, well, that's not 100. I, I did put out an ebook, um, a Bollywood ebook, but I have since removed it from the Amazon store because no one bought what? it. So, <laughs> I'll buy it. Put it back up. Um, um, yeah. So, I've, I've probably send made me a like, link. Um, 50 bucks, you know, total over the, like, what, 20 years I've been writing. Yeah. Um, so I really don't do this for, for money. I do it for fun um, because mm. my, my day job uh, is I'm a, I'm a research librarian. So I, I, you know, I'm a nerd in my, my working hours and then I get home and I'm a nerd in my off hours. Um, I just enjoy it. And um, mm. I've met a lot of, like, really interesting people over the years so it's like it's fun for me um but yeah i don't i don't get paid i'm not making money i i don't care about access to, yeah well um, that's that's a good know. thing i mean you know I've, I've had billboard writers contact me and say i wish i could write what you write <laughs> you know yeah. um but they can't do that obviously because they they have a deal and they've got to abide by the terms of the deal yeah yeah and i think fans fans just don't understand how the media works yeah, they think just, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they um like whenever I bring out my my list for the year and all that sort of stuff, people are like, oh, this is just some random blogger. So why, why, you know, why is this getting promoted? But the what they don't understand is the fact that it's some random blogger is actually why the list is worth looking at, because if you go to all the, if you go to Billboard, if you go to, you know, any other big site, then they're just going to feed you what they've been told to feed you and what they know their audience wants yeah and it's just it's just ends up being an aggregate of everyone's taste yeah um or what they think everyone's taste should be and there's never this you know there's yeah because you have to put if you don't put like if you had an end of the year list for 2020 i mean i'm calling it right now every single one of these end of the year list best of it's going to be the new map of the soul seven is going to be like if not the top <laughs> album, then like one of the top albums because armies will absolutely riot if it's not. Even mm. though the album, I mean, I'm going to say this, objectively sucks. It's it's poorly recorded. The um, 
the vocals on most of the tracks sound like they were recorded in 15 minute sessions in about 500 different hotel rooms and then sent back and forth across the ocean to 20 different producers 100 times Mm. and the result is kind of like this oral like audio stew um that just sounds objectively bad i haven't listened to the whole album and i probably won't yeah um but there are a couple of 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 decent tracks um i'm Mm. not you know but but overall it just sounds like garbage um but yeah because i think this is where like i I, the autocast podcast yeah it sounds like garbage in quotes it sounds like Uh, retweet retweet (laughs) i'm I'm ready oh god yeah well they've canceled me a hundred times already so let them do it one more time um but I just, you know, like I haven't seen one review mention the fact that the, the audio sounds like garbage. And I had, I did have people in my DMs saying, am I crazy? Like, I, I can't, the, the vocals are garbage. And um, I'm like, no, 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 I hear it too. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's bizarre to me. But I guess that comes down too to a lot of music journalists just not knowing anything about music. Yeah, that's it. Um, was, you know Frank Zappa's quote about music journalism? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, uh, I'm a huge Frank Zappa fan. I love Zappa. His, yeah, but... yeah I think maybe that's why I, I started off on my cynicism early. My dad actually um, <laughs> was like a massive Frank Zappa fan, and he used to play Zappa like for me and my siblings all the time when we were little. And, um, yeah, so I kind of grew up with the Zappa ethos and he has this great biography where he talks about how like the music business in america used to be run by kind of these guys in offices that didn't care the real frank zappa book yeah have you read it yeah 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 so you know what i'm talking about where he's like Mm. the, the the music industry used to be these guys in offices that were just like if it sells whatever put it on you know, mm. sure, we'll try a novelty hit. It's it's fine. But then it got taken over by people very invested in like what was cool, and they wanted to be cool and trendy, and mm. um, so they wouldn't put out anything that wasn't like cool and trendy. And you just kind of they learned how to be risk averse. Yeah, basically, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, his his famous quote about music journalists was that people who people who can't write writing music about people who um can't think for the benefit of people who can't read <laughs> um and you know he's not wrong i mean there are yeah. you know um certainly zappa was not a perfect human but on music uh i mean he ha- there's a lot to learn from frank zappa mm. <laughs> um so um, but yeah, with with um, music writing, most people who cover any sort of pop music don't really know anything about music, so um, so they tend to sidestep any sort of musical content, any real discussion of the musical content when they're writing any review. Mm. I mean, if you look at reviews on on any big site for K-pop, they're what they talk about is they talk about the cultural relevance. You know, they talk about was it a hit to how many views it got you know yeah. who looked who looked good wearing what um you know what 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 what, what they the won narrative. on the music show oh, yeah all yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff um but there's almost no discussion of 
you know, what actually makes a song work or why it works or why it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and there's, and the fans don't really seem to want to have those discussions either. Um, one thing, one, one thing that happens occasionally is people is occasionally a fan will try and start a sort of a musical analysis blog of some kind. Um, but even then, they just do it to sort of promote the songs they like, <laughs> and 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 uh, it's kind of like, okay, well, here's here's the receipts on why my well, my favourite song is so great, <laughs> um, and so when people have done that, I've always sort of picked up on it and I've said to them, well, you should write a you should write a technical analysis about a song you don't like to explain what's not so good. And how it could have been better, and they're never interested in doing that because yeah. their whole purpose of writing that was to, you know, give praise to their fave, and then they s- stop writing. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, I mean, sometimes the songs that that don't quite fall together right end up being, you know, interesting than the song, more interesting than the songs that are hits. Mm. Um, I think, or the songs that have a lot of um, plays and and views. Because, I mean, there are some pretty interesting, um, you know, when groups experiment or um, I, I, it's interesting when something you can tell that, that the artist tried to do something big and it just didn't work. Like, mm. I've talked about this before. Um, it's this, there's like my favorite J-pop idol group is this, I mean, they're like, they're small, domestic only. Um Johnny's group called ABCZ, but they're they're really into um, performance, like their whole thing. Like they're very into performance, and they do a lot of live theater, um, and so they they really work well with a crowd. And um, one of the members for his solo song one year tried to do like an to an audience um, sing along song uh, that was kind of like a nursery rhyme almost. Um, and I got to see, because I went to all three shows that they ha- had in Tokyo that year, and I got to see kind of the evolution of this this performance over three nights. And, um, it, like, it didn't work, but, it, like, it was an interesting experiment. And, um, and it was, it was just kind of a bold, a bold move to put this, like, little nursery rhyme song on, like, your, you know, your CD. Um, and then just... Uh, yeah, I, I wish I saw more like that. Um, yeah. Just sort of groups sort of experimenting with what they can do with, with an audience full of, of fans that are willing to, to play along most of the time. Um, but you just, it's it's um, just a lot of groups, that, you know, they're either told to play it safe or just strongly encouraged to play it safe because you have to appeal to everyone from you know, moms in, in Iowa to teens in um, Jakarta, and you can't get bold if you want to have something that, that will safely satisfy both. Yep. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of my... Uh, 
my big soapbox though is the the k-pop media stuff because i really do think <laughs> that's when that's when i tend to get ratioed the most is when i i kind of poke a hole in the fourth wall and say like you know hey armies like this 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 is just a fantasy world you're living in there are, are real people making real business decisions behind the scenes that you know if you actually cared about this group you'd want to pay attention to but all i do is get ratioed yeah no it's, <laughs> it's mainly 13 year olds and get ratioed by 13 year olds and 45 yeah. year olds yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's also i mean as long as i'm you know caffeinated and talking the um mm. the other thing i found really disturbing about armies specifically is the way that um there are these like older fans who have have just kind of built up little cult followings that i find extremely creepy and i haven't i really haven't seen this before in in other fandoms um with these sort of fans in their 40s 30s 40s 50s even maybe who mm. you know with tens of thousands of followers just sort of spinning lies um sending sending people to attack uh small accounts um just sort of grifting hardcore it's uh there was just that that dj guy um everyone was talking about yesterday dj genu that guy oh i'm, I'm out of the loop <laughs> yeah yeah, I don't. I, I was just seeing like uh, some some young women saying that uh, he had been soliciting DMs, and um, yeah, I was like, how how does how how are people able to get away with this? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um good question yeah. <laughs> <It's a thing. laughs> yeah i mean all i can say is I, I think that it's just you know uh there's just this culture of of intolerance um for differing opinions sort of i mean part of it is just baked into social media i'm sure but mm. part of it i think is kind of specific to kind of k-pop k-pop fandom yeah yes yeah, australian sana um caught me on to the um idea that there were certain older BTS fans with a sort of a little following of their own and they would sort of herd their followers around to, you know, like this or vote for this or yeah. ostracize certain people such as her in certain situations. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I just, I mean, like I, you know, being older myself, like I, I, I just don't understand how you, like if you're, 45 years old and you get your pleasure in life from you know commanding an, an army of teenagers online to vote in radio station polls i mean that's it's that's like kind of objectively pathetic <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a bit frightening isn't it mm. i mean I, I don't know i don't know if what i do with my life is necessarily much better but it's <laughs> I, 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 i'd like to think that i'm trying yeah. to inspire people to think a little bit rather than same. just <laughs> you know sure sure i spend my free time you know uh researching obscure uh you know asian idol pop things but 
you know, I do it for pleasure. Like it's it's mm. fun. Like for knowledge. Like I learning something. Um, yeah. not just voting in random polls. <laughs> <laughs> like hopefully, hopefully spreading like some information around that's useful to people. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It's a bit frightening. Apparently, some of these fans, according to Sana, were um, uh, also fundamentalist religious people as well. Oh, and yeah. So I think there maybe there's a bit of a parallel between the sort processes involved in being a fandom member and being involved in that sort of scene. Maybe maybe it sort of all fits together really well for those people for that reason. Yeah, yeah, that is true, and I I have noticed, um, especially in some of the the BTS stuff, there is this odd undercurrent of kind of evangelical Christianity, like the rhetoric of evangelical Christianity used in um, talking about BTS and Army. It's it's like once you see it, it's really disturbing. Um, mm. You know, I have my. I, you know, religion is religion, but religion is not fandom. Um, and some of the rhetoric I've seen, it, it gets a little, like the lines get blurred and, and I don't think that's really appropriate at all. Yep. Yeah. Yes, it's all a bit weird and yeah, fandom culture is, you know, I, I really hope that fundamentalist religion doesn't find out too much about it because it's a very fertile breeding ground for um for recruitment i think i mean yeah. if you if you're able to get sucked into bts fandom you're probably equally gullible for all sorts of other stuff yeah that's why it's you know especially especially as an older fan like it does disturb me to see um these sort of unethical or just selfish um, older fans kind of indoctrinating sort of their young followers into these very rigid ways of thinking um, where there's mm. a, a right and a wrong and a good and a bad um, and teams like if you're if you're on this team if you're on my team the army team then you're good <laughs> and if you like NCT then you're bad um, those people are evil um, mm. and that's just such an unhelpful life lesson um it's just such a, a really just not a great way to go through life yeah yeah oh, you're missing out on a few basic life lessons i think a few life skills <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny. yeah it's it's disturbing especially when they start asking for money too that's that's kind of where i'm like you know no there are just <laughs> so many grifters in this fandom Hmm. What are, um, that I'm actually not that familiar with. What are the main things where they ask for money? Well, there's the um, well, the the buying and streaming. They're constantly asking for funds for um, you know, X Y Z group to. I mean, I I see a lot of the army ones come across my timeline, but they're for other fandoms too, where they want money for paid streams, money no. for purchasing money for um you know uh, advertisements money for um all sorts of things um you're strongly 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 encouraged to purchase everything multiple times um purchase multiple paid um 
streaming services um purchase like the more you purchase the more virtuous you are is kind of the mm. sort of undertone to everything i bought the album eight times i bought 16 copies um <laughs> and it's very much because i've read um I, I read widely um in the there's this sort of um church or theology in america called the prosperity gospel where mm. Basically, the more money you have, the more blessed by God you are, and sure. you're encouraged to to donate, donate, donate. You know, uh, mm. sort of the. I think I think maybe the the image of the televangelist, you know, with you know begging people to send in money. Um, that that might be kind of spread spread far and wide, but um, it's you know it's a real thing where the more money you have, the more, more virtuous you are, you've been blessed. And, um, yeah. And I think that, that, that kind of attitude has, has come in to K-pop fandom where the more money you spend, um, on these album singles, you know, you're streaming without even listening on like 10 different platforms. Um, yeah. the more blessed you are. And to me, I, 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 find it very um off-putting and um you know I, I just don't think it's a good thing to be telling people and it's also a you know a, it's an unsustainable business model you know at the end of the day like you can't build an industry on fanatic fans streaming for 12 hours a day it's like it's not going to last it's a bubble it's going to pop mm. yep what do you think is going to pop for VTS? Do you think it's going to be the the fandom bubble, or do you think it's going to be the members themselves? Because um, they seem to be under a bit of. I mean, I, I I've been sort of seeing the cracks forming lately. I think that oh, yeah. something's going to give internally with that group sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree. Just based on observation, my my feeling is that we're going to see. I don't think all of the members are going to make it to the end of the tour. I have a very strong sense that at least one is going to pull a runner, just like race for the, the emergency exit and um, peace out um, before mm. before the end of the tour. Um, and if that doesn't happen, I think we might see injury. And, mm. um, uh, and I also, if this virus um, causes any more cancellations... I don't think Big Hit itself is going to make it um, to the end of the year. Yeah, it could be. Um, one thing that I find really interesting about people, because um, you get these people who are you know, in love with BTS and they're in love with Big Hit as well, um, and very much company stands or whatever, but those same people often don't like TXT. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm not quite sure how that works. It's funny. I've seen that too, where they think that TXT are like leeching off of um, BTS's success. Mm. Kind of like that's that's the whole point of of having like a, like a junior group. Like the the whole point is that they is that they can ride the coattails. Like that's that's literally the whole point of these companies is that you have groups that that you know it's like the SM you know where or yg or any of these 
you know, like the whole point is that you provide coattails for these these um, these groups starting out. BTS fans love to say that BTS paved the way, but as soon as anyone else tries to walk on the paving, they don't want that to happen. Yeah. It's very odd. It's extremely <laughs> odd. But it's like what's BTS... the point of paving the way? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's so like BTS fans. They either like the the BTS poppers or whatever they call themselves. It's bizarre. It's like you can only listen to BTS, but like and Western artists. Like that's it. Like anyone else coming from Asia is is like automatically like garbage. Like it's so. It's just this. I've never seen anything like it. Because they're all fine with like the, you know, they all want Western collabs and whatever. And they all love like, uh, you know, certain, certain Western artists, other ones they uh, find offensive. But um, yeah, it's very strange. Imagine only mm. listening to one artist ever. Like, it, <laughs> like, like, yeah. what do you do? like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit strange, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I've seen um, a lot of complaints that like the new, like NCT, all they do is noise, and I'm like, have you never listened to literally any other music? Like, you can't handle like a distortion pad. Like, you can't handle like <laughs> a f a single fuzz pedal. Like, <laughs> like mm. what are you doing with your life? Oh my god, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Yeah, not not the most diverse listenership ever. No. Um, no. It's a bit sad. Um, <laughs> they should all listen to some Frank Zappa. That's what I say. Yeah, or, or, or something. Yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> Anything, really. Yeah, some Captain Beefheart. Um, Let's just, like, we'll go all out. Um, Edgar Varez. I try and um, introduce... Like when I review stuff, I often talk about the the Western artists involved and stuff like that in terms of influence or whatever. And I think some people appreciate that, and a lot of people probably don't care. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's good. I just though. write whatever. I, yeah, I try to do the same thing. Because um, I mean, I've been I've been a music fan. Like my my earliest memories are of listening to records on my record player when I was like three years old. I'm sure I destroyed, uh, you know, plenty of my parents' records, but yeah, just listening to um, things and like those are my earliest memories is just listening to pop music. Um, but yeah, I love music. I love all kinds of music. Uh, and and I think listening widely to a whole different like genres from all over the world. It's like one of life's greatest pleasures is, you know, why wouldn't like like what's wrong with like having like listen to the the Trojan box sets like those are great like like get really into something like or Tamil film songs like um, there's just so many like wonderful things out there why would you only want to listen to like one group ever it's it's limiting. Mm. That's really interesting because the acknowledgement that people only ever listen to one group ever um, shines a bit of a light on why, like, when, whenever there's a new trend in music, like, every group's got to have their one song. Like, we had Tropical House oh, a year or so ago, right? And every single group 
had the tropical house song. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think the reason why they do that is because they're not really that concerned about everyone following the same trend because I think they're assuming that their listenership isn't listening to the songs of any other group anyway. And so if, I don't know, Group X doesn't have their Tropical House songs, then those kids who follow them won't ever listen to any Tropical House ever because they'll never listen to any other group. (laughs) So that's like their only only exposure to that. Oh, my God, that's really interesting. I'd never thought about it like that before. So every time a new song trend comes out, it's got a... um, you know, it's oh like, okay, we've got to package it for that audience because that's the only thing they're listening wow. to. <laughs> no wonder Blackpink fans are so crazy. I mean, how many songs do they have to listen to just on repeat all the time? They, yeah, yeah they, and you they need that, a bigger playlist. <laughs> they do. You know, their playlist is so small that, um, <laughs> I mean, I went to see them when they came here and um, obviously they've got some you know, YG have got some sort of policy because it's all one fandom, right? Yeah. And like, and you can't have any other music. All the music, you know, when you're waiting to get into the venue outside, what are you hearing? You're hearing Blackpink songs. Once you get in and you're waiting, you're hearing Blackpink songs on the PA. Yeah. Then, then um, to entertain, there's no support act, of course, because yeah. that wouldn't be Blackpink because, you know, you can't have support act because um, you must listen only to Blackpink. And so the support acts is just some videos. Of course, it's of the same Blackpink songs that you heard while you were waiting for all the POs being set up that you also heard outside the venue beforehand. Yeah. So you've, so by the, before Blackpink have even gotten on the stage, you've heard their same 10 songs about 10 times each. Um, and then they come on and then they do their 10 songs again. Um, and so it's a very dull, what a dull life really yeah it is actually if you if you if If that's if you follow that model of all you listen to is one group yeah yeah you're living in like a a box Mm. you gotta break out yeah that's it so yeah i know people do it but they obviously do somehow um but yeah it's a bit but yeah it's obviously the only conclusion I can come to is what we were talking about at the start, which is that it's obviously not about the music. It's more about the competition aspect and yeah. supporting a team. Yeah. I've always thought that people who are into sports aren't really into sports. What they're into is graphic design uh-huh. because the only difference between one sporting team and the next really is their logo. Um, <laughs> so no, they will do the same thing. So, you know, um, so, but you just decide, okay, well, do I like red? Or do I like green? Or do I like blue? Or <laughs> you know, do I like that font more than the other font? Yeah. You know, what 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 decision? What initial decision does somebody make when they decide what sports team they barrack for? Um, often it's, I mean, sometimes it's because they're in your hometown, but a lot of the time, it's not like in a, in the town that I live in, we have got we've got local sort of regional football teams, but most suburbs don't actually have a football team, so people just randomly pick one of the others. Yeah. Um, and what criteria are they using? And I think a lot of the time it's just, I like the logo. Um, and I mean, or I want someone to barrack for, I've got no idea, I'll pick this one, I like the sound of their name, something, just something basic like that. Um, and I think, I wonder if with K-pop it's kind of like the same thing. It's, um, I wonder how much of it is just people thought something, they thought something looked cool. <laughs> and then they just ran with that. Yeah. I mean, there's that. Yeah, there's definitely 
there's something to that for sure. Um, and because the city I'm in, we have, I mean, it's a major sports market. So we have, um, we have a, f- we've got soccer, professional, like American football, hockey, uh, baseball, basketball. And um, so, I mean, you can have a hometown team here. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're from an area where you don't have one, I think it is kind of random. Um, and, and yeah, cause I, well, actually it's funny. One of my brother's friends from childhood, like they, I remember him picking his favorite football team because he just wanted something different. So he's like, well, I'm going to like this team because everyone else likes the home team. So I'm going to like this team from over here. And he stayed with it, you know, mm. <laughs> 30 years. So it's, yes, it's the emotional thing. I, yeah. I should yeah. ask, I should be asking Asian junkie about this. He, he actually likes sport. Yeah. Um, You know what's funny? It's actually, I think a good analogy is um, the Premier League, like in the UK. Like fans not in the UK who have Premier League teams that they support. I think that's that's probably a really good analogy for export K pop because I think you've seen the same kind of thing happen in the Premier League where these, you know, sort of wealthy people have bought up these local teams and um, packaged them not for the local audiences anymore, but for the global audience. Mm. You know what I'm like? So um, one of the big sort of things going around, at least in like army circles is the Korean fans are very unhappy that BTS has been over in America a lot and not doing things for them in Korea. But, you can kind of see the parallels to like, you know, Liverpool fans or um, Manchester United fans where the, it's not locals in the stadium anymore. It's tourists and, um, you know, people watching expensive cable packages in the United States and I'm sure Australia as well, you know. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But yes. Let's not talk about sport too much, or, or we'll, make, we'll make we'll make Asian Everyone's junkie too happy. <laughs> so you're turning into Asian junkie. <laughs> next, next we'll be having ads. Oh gosh, on no. on, on, <laughs> on on the podcast. Yeah. I have to give him shit just in case he's listening. <laughs> well, I'm happy to talk uh, sport and sport fandom at any time. So, mm. but um, yeah. Well, one of the things um that I've, you know, as long as we're talking about people picking their teams, like based on visuals, I Mm. have noticed kind of a disturbing trend, at least with like white fans or non-Asian fans, um, of which I'm, I'm one just, you know, in case people didn't know I am, I'm white myself, but, um, Mm. like not being like, not being able to read like Asian faces, um, sort of jokes about not being able to tell members apart like uh the whole like no plastic surgery thing too is very bizarre to me um Mm. bts fans like to to harp on the no plastic surgery i can't tell some of some people but Um, one of my most popular posts on my blog is about red velvet and how i can't tell who's who oh really (laughs) (laughs) yeah although i can more nowadays but when i find that when the groups debut i have enormous trouble um but as they get older they 
the faces develop a bit more character and then yeah, I can tell. Yeah, yeah it's kind so, of funny though. Like the, I, I just don't understand, you know, when you can compare pictures of people from seven years ago to today and still say things like all natural, no plastic surgery. It's very, yeah. very strange. It's very strange how Korean women have this, um, this, this, um, these unique genetics where as they get older, their faces become more heart-shaped. Yeah, it's, it's very odd. Yeah, and how um, puberty somehow, you know, shrinks your nostrils. It's weird how yeah. that happens, yeah. Yeah, it shrinks their nostrils, and and, and sometimes their breasts get bigger, but that's usually... <laughs> but that but when they, only when they get about 25 or so, so it's, I'm not sure what's going on there. It's kind of a delayed but, puberty there. <laughs> yeah, it's, always, it kicks in a bit later. I guess it's just the Korean, Korean female genes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just very odd. Um, I mean, I you know, I don't put any, like, morality issues on um, plastic surgery, but I, I do find it very odd that people that do will, like, defend to the death that their favorite has not had one speck of work done when you're kind of like, I think almost everyone in show business has, you know, gotten injections or, you know, Mm. something. You know, I interviewed Ollie London, right? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. The the guy who spent, how much did he spend? Well, one and a half. That's crazy. 150,000 to To look look like like BTS Jimin. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, what what was his deal like? He, you know, just, huh? Yeah, well, he just really likes Jim, and I mean, I didn't have a problem with the guy. Yeah. Um, a lot, a lot of people are putting him in that German stalker guy, um, who's chasing after Neon from Twice. Oh God, that's in, that's in, really scary. A lot of people are putting them in the same bracket, but they're really they couldn't be more different, to be honest. Because yeah. um, Ollie London's just you know. I mean, I I wouldn't have made his life choices, you know what I mean. Mm. But um, but I found found him quite a reasonable guy to talk to, and he wasn't, you know, he he's under no illusions. He's certainly not. Um, I mean, sure, he'd like to meet Jim in one day and all that sort of stuff, but he's not, you know, trying to stalk the guy. Um, he's not, you know, um, he's not he's not anything apart from respectful in terms of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and he just you know, wants to look the way he looks and he obviously likes attention and all yes. those things that come with that. And I think that's fine. Whereas the stalker um, is not after attention whatsoever. He's just incredibly fixated on twice its neon and he's just doing whatever he thinks it will take to, um, to achieve his goal, um, which is, you know, a bit scary to be honest. Um, this I mean, I spoke. Issue I interviewed him as well, but oh, much I to the that. yeah, yeah, much to the um, concern of various people. But I thought it was really important to have someone talking to him, who, um, you know, has. I know it's a bit more rational and can sort of drag the questions out of the the things out of him that other people probably can't, and I think. Um, that was a valuable chat to have with him because it, a it revealed just that he is genuinely dangerous, and b it probably put his face in front of a wider audience, which I think is really important. Yeah. Um, a lot of the fans criticised me because I said, "Oh, well, this guy's after attention, and so you shouldn't give it to him." 
Um, but my argument's always been that no, he's not after attention. He's after twice his nail. He's after her attention. He's not after your attention. You know, so um, so anything you can do to shine a light on someone who's got stalker tendencies and is dangerous, I think, is good because you know that's because um, stalkers are more dangerous when they don't talk. Mm. You know, when when stalkers actually end up hurting people for real is when it's when no one saw them coming yeah no that's uh, i mean that's a very fair point um because yeah stalkers they well because it's like the the whole sussing culture as well where i mean i think that the the they like if every sussing was on a register and you knew who they were yeah. and you knew where they lived and you knew their faces because they were published and you had interviews with them where they were talking about what they would do, they would cease to become so much of a threat because they would be easy to monitor. Right. And they would, they would be easy to, yeah, they'd be easy to monitor, easy to spot. Um, and, and also there's kind of twisted thinking would be public, mm. um, which I think I, you know, I've, I've, I wrote this in, in one of my posts, but I mean, I, I do think that the only thing separating a lot of these American um, and, uh, you know, other Western fans from crossing over into Sussing territory is that they don't speak Korean, um, mm. which is, you know, good. But um, yeah, I think that that the, the whole culture of paying for access, paying for phone numbers and and um uh, yeah all the all of that stuff that that they're able to do is just it's so disturbing and it's very dangerous it's extremely yeah. dangerous and and some and that twice stalker i mean he's obviously not a typical korean pop fan mm. he's just someone who's personally obsessed with an individual but he's able to benefit significantly from the fandom network yeah. Um, and that's when he first came on the scene, he raised, he, the first thing he did was he, the, how he got known was he went to the twice um, Reddit and the, excuse me, the, all the twice fans. And he'd say interacting with them and saying, you know, how can I meet this person and blah, 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 all this insane stuff. And since, um, you know, since he came on the scene, he's, you know, he's gone to JYP building. Then he um, intercepted Neon at an airport on a plane and he got one of the other girls' private phone numbers. Now, he wouldn't have been able to do either of those two things, mm. especially not the second one, if he wasn't getting the help of twice Saysanks. Um, so the fandom might want to criticise me, but the fact is that their more extreme elements are actually helping him. Yeah. Because he's now, he's, he's, when he spoke to me, he said to me that, you know, I've tried a few things, but now I'm going to start doing a few things in secret. <laughs> um, and that's what he was talking about. What he's done is he's got some, he said, oh, I've got some people helping me and stuff like that. And what he meant was he was going to get someone to plug him into the Saysang network so he could get more access to Neon, which is exactly what he did. Yeah. Um, so if people, if the Twice fans, instead of just trying to shut me down like a bunch of idiots they are, if they instead actually read that interview and took heed of the lessons in there, we could have possibly stopped that plane incident. We could have possibly stopped him getting the other girl's phone number. Um, so, you know, these people can go eat a dick, really. They're just putting 
her in a whole lot of danger, I think, which I'm trying to avoid. But, you know, of course, I don't see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, but it's, it feels like we just keep living the same incidents over and over and over again. I mean, I remember hearing the stories about um, DBSK or TVXQ, like having their phones monitored, um, getting like, well, there was the incident with the glue as well, sending Yuno to the Mm. hospital, um, almost killing him. You know, fans showing up in the, the dorms, breaking in. And that was, you know, 15 years ago. And all of that, like nothing has changed. Absolutely yeah. nothing has changed. Yeah, nothing has changed. And the reason why it hasn't changed is because, um, you know, a lot of people are making a lot of bank off things being the way they are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the really it's the companies who have set up this, structure which allows those things to operate and they really do encourage that sort of behavior not mm-hmm. directly but certainly implicitly yeah. um, By and um, down, because you could if, mm. if they even set up a sort of a basic background check on mm. potential new hires um, or you know made sure that the penalty for selling information was getting fired or I mean just so there are there are any sorts of things that you could do to um, to make life easier for for the talent but yeah they won't do it either the the price of not doing it is um mental strain and anxiety um mm-hmm. but yeah yeah it's and you have to wonder too like the the like is it is it just that it's like wealthy daughters and sons who who benefit from this access and they don't want to anger like the the chayball like families <laughs> you know by by cutting off like somebody's second daughter from being able to follow like bts's jungkook around like it's i don't know it's very bizarre yeah um i think a lot of um um i'm no expert in it but um i think a lot of korean culture is really based around the idea of an asian culture in general about keeping up appearances yeah and um and i think that's um it has some positive things but it has a lot of negative things as well um and one of those negative things i think is everybody is no one really wants to clamp down on certain things it should really be clamped down on Mm. i mean if if the sort of situation this in korea happened in australia with artists here you know, there'd be hell to pay. There'd be all sorts of stuff going on and all sorts of controls put in place. But in Korea, no one cares because, or they do care, but there's, um, there must be something else they care about more. And maybe it's just their public image and the whole wanting to be seen as nice and mm. um, benevolent and, you know, it's a K-pop utopia and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, and, well, and I think money does play a real part Um I think that the export K-pop kind of is built on these sort of really, you know, kind of profit margins that are difficult to maintain, I think, Mm. Um, you know, and so if you, if you can rely on a network of fan sites to do your publicity for you, um, then you don't have to pay photographers, whereas, you know, in... um, because I come from 
my you know I come from idol fandom from from the Japanese side and Johnny's and Associates there they have stage photographers that will take stage photos official stage photos and you know fans can then purchase official stage photos um and there's not this like network of of, um fan sites doing Mm. it for free and profit well i mean profiting off of it as well but Mm. um yeah and there's not the invasive fan culture because there's the company kind of put in place very strict rules about how and when you can interact with the idols Hmm. and you know maybe they're they're missing out on money on the table but i i don't think so yeah they're probably not making as much as as uh some of these k-pop companies are but it's a more sustainable model i think Yeah, I think it, I think the the export K-pop model, I think I don't know. I think it's unsustainable in the end. I think that I think the bubble is gonna pop. I I just don't see how like the market is so saturated right now, and if you're relying if you're relying on the kinds of fans that are just consuming twenty four hours a day, trying to beat like the other teams. I mean that's just that's just like a recipe for burnout. Hmm. Yeah, it's um something's going to give somewhere along the line. I mean, I don't know if the whole thing will collapse, but I think in BTS's case, it's a concern. Oh, yeah, BTS is going to collapse or a big hit in BTS. I I don't think they're going to make it to the end of twenty twenty. How do we spend this whole thing talking about BTS? I don't even like BTS. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> we can talk like, about something else. One good song. Did you from have like um? Did you have six years ago? Did you get listener questions? Not really. Um, I I was going to do a question box for it, but then I thought, nah, if I could, because because I know you had a lot to say. Yeah, I always so, have a lot to say. I could talk about anything so, forever. Um, I've only person who put something in said discuss the cancel culture, bullying and hypocrisy of the larger K-pop fandom and or armies, and we've already been there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I mean, I didn't really have much else on my mind. I mean, I I find that my writing is um pretty good at venting out any issues i might have about this or that but then i'm not pretty chill anyway you know what i mean i don't really give a fuck <laughs> about yeah. most things so well yeah my... i mean i'm i'm the same and you know like i'm this isn't a career for me so i i don't really care like i'm i i checked yesterday for the first time and apparently i i am blocked by about three thousand people which I consider that's a pretty great feat. Um, I don't that's know how I good. manage that. Yeah, 3,000. That's how, pretty good. 3,000. How, how do you check that? Oh, I'll send you the link. Somebody send it. It's like, an, an, uh, like a little Chuck it into the Chuck it into the Skype chat. I'll check mine. I want oh, to okay. see who's, who's me. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm going to guess and say it's you, but I'll, um, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, let me find the link. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Okay. Here, I'll put it in the Skype chat. Groovy. Oh wait. Okay. Or Twitter if the Scott chat's fucking up. There it is. Yeah, I had a, about three thousand people. I was like, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's more.
more people than that follow me. Oh, I haven't got I haven't got your message yet. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it on Twitter. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's check it out. <laughs> um, let's see who's number one. This overthrowing information, how many tries of blocking your account? Okay, so I'll log in, I guess. Oh, it's taking its sweet time. There might be a few. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, oh yeah, because you, uh, you win by a mile. I'm only, I'm only, only 1,229 are blocking me. Oh, are you kidding me? And you yeah. had, you oh. had uh, twice fandom mad at you too. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's, so I, I'm number one. I'm number one. Yeah. Um, you USA. USA, uh, USA. Fucking American. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but I've blocked twenty six thousand six hundred twenty. Oh wow! Yeah, no, I only have about eight hundred blocked. Um, and it's they're all people that if somebody like quote tweets something or well, it was mm. people that were dogpiling me. I blocked them, yep. and then people that if I find somebody like quote tweet something and the person's blocked me i just block them back mm -hmm. um because yeah yeah it's somebody told me um yesterday i was chatting with a friend in the dms who's about ready to leave um army twitter because she was getting bullied um and she said that that getting bullied by armies had really changed me um at least the way i interacted online and you know, I, I think it is true. I hadn't really thought about it, but before I got really badly bullied, um, I was pretty open to talking to people I didn't know or somebody popped into my mentions um, and wanted to, like, disagree with me about something I'd said. I was, you know, more than happy to discuss it with them, but mm. after, um, you know, getting a, a... I had open DMs. And I would, you know, chat with anyone that messaged me um, if they wanted to talk about something. Um, but yeah, after that, it was just like getting called uh, xenophobic, misogynist, having like an inbox full of threats and and told that I was like an awful person. Um, it really, yeah, it really did change the way I interacted online. Um, I, I had never, I think before that, I've probably blocked absolutely no one but um mm. yeah now yeah it's just i just it, it wasn't worth it um i mean I, I if somebody can find my email address uh i i have gotten a few very kind messages from people who have bothered to track down my email and have messaged me but other than that i had to shut i shut off everything on the soundcloud i don't check comments um mm -hmm. I no longer can get messages on SoundCloud. Um, yeah, I just, it was just, yeah, it sent me into like a panic attack. Like it was, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So what helped you get through that besides blocking people? 
Um, I, what did I do? Well, I, I just got offline, mm. um, basically. And then when I got back online, I, I, yeah, I just said, okay. And yeah, basically just blocked, muted, and, you know, only read replies from, from people that follow me. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, what else can you do? Like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to engage when there's always the fear that someone's just going to attack you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, block, like blocking, blocking the big bully accounts, I think was, was a big part of it because if they can't directly like quote tweet me or so you know and their their followers can't get at me then that does make things a little calmer mm. certainly my my mentions calm down after that yeah. cool cool yeah. um have we run out of stuff to talk about you think um sure uh it's you know I can, I really can't, I am very chatty. I, I can talk all day, but, um, I don't know how interesting anything I have to say <laughs> will be. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you had, if you had other topics you wanted to, to bring up, um, but just, just quickly, culture was the big one. Yeah. Was yeah, the big one. yeah, absolutely. Just, just, just quickly. Um, I mean, you're, a, you're a, um, someone who understands music a bit um give me a, your favorite k-pop songs oh my favorite k-pop songs mm. oh that's a i wasn't expect. i probably should have been expecting that um my favorite k-pop songs i like a lot of uh like album cuts mm. oh gosh you put me on the spot um yeah no it's fine i i would say all right i'll just off the top of my head just like kind of recently i really <laughs> i really like uh big bangs um like some of their mid like i guess like late 2000s stuff like i love um cafe and um like gara gara go <laughs> mm -hmm. and i guess kind of like oh god i love like a lot of the shiny album cuts, Taman's like Flame of Love. Um, yep. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to think off the top of my head. I like a lot of I like a lot of different kinds of music. Um, yeah, uh, I just sound like. Mm, I love. Um, I do like the BTS, like their uh, most beautiful moment in life era. There's like a whole section on most beautiful moment in life part two. It's like four or five tracks that I think is one of like the finest things I've ever heard. Like um, it's like Whalian and My City and um, all of that good stuff. I really like, um, but you know, I, I like, uh, there's hits that I like. Uh, Super Junior, Sorry, Sorry, Lucifer, yep. um, mm. Big Bangs, Bay Bay. Yeah. 
kind of a nonsense answer. I should have prepared. I should have prepared like like a top ten like curated greatest list. <laughs> yeah, I, I do those so precisely because people ask me that shit, and it's like a. I have yeah yeah. <laughs> the reason why I started my first top thirty list wasn't because I wanted to be all viral and shit. It was because people kept asking me what I liked, and yeah, I didn't want to have the same conversation a hundred times with every with every single <laughs> with person, every person who found out I I yeah. liked K-pop. Yeah, um, yeah. I I guess like my I I really liked NCT's last album a lot. Um, the the one that just came out. I kind of I like that sort of. I like the stuff that's built on kind of like that R and B and hip hop sort of st- like the kind of stuff America doesn't make anymore. Mm. I like that kind of stuff, but I, I like the the big. Um, like the big Koreany ballads and stuff too. There's there's a lot of good K-pop out there. Yep. May not be what's getting promoted um, or streamed obsessively, but yeah. I'll have to. I'll 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 think about it and uh, maybe I'll I'll do like a big top thirty all time <laughs> all time greatest hits. What about stuff you don't like? Oh, there's a lot I don't like. There's a lot I don't like. Do you know I'm the only blogger who, who I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who actually has a worst list as well as a best <laughs> list. I don't think anyone else dares. A lot of I'm the only. Yeah, I, I don't like, oh gosh. You know what I really don't like is the stuff kind of made for um, the American market. A lot of that I don't like. It just sounds bad to me. Um, like what? Like the overcompressed, well, like the these last two BTS albums have been god-awful. Mm. Um, I really don't like a lot of the, the, like the Monster X and sort of that harder, like you get the, the really overcompressed like guitars and, um, like that sort of, it's almost like it's going for like a rap rock sound. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't like that stuff. It just does not sound good. Yeah. (laughs) I would rather listen to like the biggest sort of saddest, mobiest like k-pop ost ballad like then uh some like real rap rocky over compressed like assault on my eardrums mm. cool cool um all right well i'll probably leave it there i think <laughs> yeah sounds good